Greetings, loved ones. Debbie and I, with our children, are certainly very thankful uh, to be with you here on this very special day and bring the love and greetings from our congregation in Windsor, as well as our, our parents. This day is very special, not just because we are witnessing what has taken place in the life of Victoria and, and Andrew and Shane, but because God, through what he has done in their three lives, is glorifying his name. And I'd like that to be on our, on our minds, on our thoughts, that today God is glorifying himself through what he has done in these three dear souls. For the meditation this morning, we'd like to look at a passage that's probably familiar, quite familiar maybe to most of us, found in John's Gospel, chapter 8. Gospel according to John, chapter 8. Brother Dan, in his prayer, he mentioned that he was thankful that these three souls have received the gift of of grace, of God's grace. I pray that as we meditate on this particular passage, that the grace of God would be on our minds and in our hearts, not only for our three converts and their families and, and, and all those who have accepted that free gift, but perhaps even more so to those who have not yet come to faith in Christ, who maybe do not have a, a, a full grasp and understanding of God's grace and, and what it means and what is available right now and today for those who are bound in sin. Gospel according to John, chapter 8, beginning at verse 1. Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives. And early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him. And he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. I don't know why, but 
This is one of the more moving passages of Scripture to me. Where a sinner, in all their, their brokenness, in the, in the ugliness of sin, in the, in the bondage of sin, collides with something unimaginable. For some, unbelievable. For some, not understood. Certainly for those who brought this woman before the Lord, they had a completely different expectation about what should happen. They had in their minds a very clear thought on what Jesus should do in this situation. The scripture says they were testing him. They were putting him to the test to see what he would do. Jesus, as he did, and I, I imagine this scene also very vividly as he's, as he's sitting down. You know, it says he was, he was in the Mount of Olives. We can read many times in scripture how Jesus withdrew himself to pray and, 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 and to draw close to the Father. And, and it gives the impression that he did this over the night, during the night, and came in the morning in the temple, was sitting down and teaching. Teaching the people. The word master, even here, that the scribes and Pharisees used, it means teacher, one who, one who was teaching. That's what he was doing when they came to him. And as he taught, a group of scribes and Pharisees dragged this woman, caught in sin. It says in the very act. They said unto him, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us, calling, calling upon the law that was given, and the law is very clear. We can look in the Levitical law and say, see exactly what it says. In fact, it, it says that both the adulterer and the adulteress should be put to death. It's interesting that they only brought one. Maybe there was a double standard even back in, in those times. But this woman who was caught in her sin, guilty, found out, discovered, exposed, was brought before Jesus. And Jesus was reminded of what the law said by them. It says it was commanded that she should be stoned. But what do you say? Daring him, challenging him. It doesn't say specifically, but I imagine they had the the, the tools of death with them. Ready to do it right there in the temple. Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground. Have you ever wondered what he wrote? What was he writing? Why did he do that? What was he doing? I won't speculate, but often it's gone through my mind. Was he, was he doodling? Was he, was he pondering? Was he thinking? Did he write something in particular? What did he write? And at this pivotal moment, when these scribes and Pharisees are expecting a quick and violent death of this woman, which the law commanded should take place, Jesus turns and stoops to the ground and writes, And they don't give up. They keep pestering him. They continue asking him, what do you say? What do you say? What should be done? And he stands up. It says, 
And he says to them, he that is without sin, the sinless one among you should cast the first stone. The one who is without sin should cast the first stone. Doesn't really say how, how long it took, how long they pondered that, but it does say that they were convicted, each one by their own conscience. In other words, every one of them was guilty. Everyone. And loved ones, we cannot lose sight of the fact that everyone is guilty before God. All have sinned and come short of His glory. There is none righteous, no, not one. In the, in the sin, in the, in the similitude of the sin of Adam, everyone is guilty before God. Paul wrote to the Romans that the wages of that sin, the payment for that sin, what we deserve for that sin, is death. Everyone. There's nothing that made this woman special. Jesus exposed that this woman was no more guilty of death than they all were. And as they sat and thought, and their own conscience convicted them, and they too were guilty, of course they were not sinless. They were not without sin. None of them was eligible to throw that first stone. And one by one, they went out. They left. Suddenly all their, all their violence and the, the bloodshed in their, in their, in their eyes and in their minds and, and the, in the exacting of punishment that they were, uh, uh, excited to see was gone. They too were guilty of death. They too deserved to be stoned. We don't know what became of them and we don't know the end of their story. But they were guilty before their maker. Guilty before God as every one of us were or still are guilty. And the Bible makes clear that for that sin, we deserve death. And here now, here now is the grace of Jesus Christ. John, earlier in this gospel, writes that when the, when the word, which is Jesus Christ himself, became flesh and dwelt among us, he was full. He was replete with grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. It was, it was oozing. It was his very character and very nature. And if there's, if there's one thing, my, my dear friend who has, who has not yet come to faith in Christ, I want you to understand today very deeply is that Jesus Christ is full of grace. He's full of grace, ready and willing to give that undeserved, that unmerited favor to those who are guilty and deserve death, who are guilty of sin. God doesn't want to punish you. God doesn't want you to remain in your sin. And He is full of grace. How beautiful an image of the character of Christ Just imagine this woman watching this unfold. Guilt caught. 
You know what it feels like when we're caught? Think back to one time when you were caught doing something. So often we, we, we think if someone doesn't see us, we're, we, you know, we get away with something. Or we're somehow not guilty or will not be punished. Forgetting that the Lord's eyes are, go to and fro, seeing everything. And he knows what's even in our heart and, and what will come out of our mouth before we say it. But when you think back to those moments when you were caught, you're, you're full of shame. You're, you're, you're despicable to your own self. You're convicted of your own conscience. Suddenly when someone else sees you, you're, you're, you're foul. You're dirty. You're sinful and ashamed. And this woman now was, was dragged into the public in the, in the temple where all kinds of people were around those who, who caught her in the act and, and those who maybe didn't even know her. And suddenly she's exposed in a sinner. And Jesus stands up. Those who wanted to cast the stones, those who wanted to see the bloodshed have now left. And it's noteworthy to see that the woman is standing there. You know, I often wondered, maybe when her, when her accusers left, those who dragged her uh, before Jesus when they left, maybe she too had a chance to make a run for it and get out of there and, you know, escape that shame and maybe escape the punishment that she realized she deserved and that she was guilty of. But I believe that already this woman sensed something very different coming from the Lord. A different feeling from Jesus than, than she felt from those who caught her and wanted her put to death. She sensed that he loved her. In all her shame, in all her filth, in her sin, deserving death, there was someone who loved her. My dear friend, despite your filth and shame and the guilt of your sin, Jesus loves you so deeply. He's full of grace and truth. He's wanting to bestow on you the same mercy. As you realize your guilt, as you're convicted of your own conscience, as you're exposed before God, He has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. He derives no satisfaction from from justice that comes upon the unrepentant soul and the one who remains in sin and chooses to abide in the bondage of it. Jesus stands up and turns and there's just this woman. And he said, where are your accusers? Is there no one condemning you? And she said, no man, Lord. It's apparent to me as she uses the word Lord that she's realizing there's something behind this love. This is not like any human love that we find in this world. There is no place among even one another. Among human to human where we're guilty and, and, and can find this in the midst of our guilt. When we're caught, even, even before there's a, there's a sign of repentance, a love and an opportunity to be restored. 
When it's still that shameful moment before someone even starts to say, forgive me, or I'm sorry, or, 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 or making confession. That there is a love there. And my dear friend, maybe you are unrepentant. Maybe you've not even come to realize. Maybe you're able to d- dismiss the conviction of your own conscience. And have not yet desired to come before the Lord and to confess your sin before Him. To confess your shame and your guilt. And to seek Him in repentance. But if that's the case, even in that state, Jesus Christ loves you. And He's full of grace toward you. And today is the day of grace for you. And you're being called to not harden your heart. Don't, don't let your heart turn to stone. Don't let another day go by of dismissing the, the, the pricking of your conscience and, and, and what's in your heart. Jesus today is just like with this woman. There's you and Jesus. You're standing in the midst and he's before you. And he says, The, the, the crux of the gospel. This is the, this is the apex of the gospel of Jesus Christ and, and, and the beauty. Neither do I condemn thee. This is now on a different level than the people who found this woman guilty, caught her in the act and dragged her and, and, and wanted to condemn her. This has a completely different meaning because this isn't just This isn't just, I'm not going to kill you. This isn't just, I'm not going to put you to death. This isn't just maybe avoiding the shame of of a one-on-one situation or a person who caught you and you were guilty before them. Jesus saying, neither do I condemn thee, means life. It means life. No longer the judgment, no longer the wages of sin, no longer death, but life. Neither do I condemn thee. These people brought this woman fully expecting that Jesus was going to fulfill the commandment of the law. But their idea of fulfillment of the law and and Christ were completely different. In the, in the, in the same chapter where we read that, that Jesus was full of grace and, and truth earlier in, in John's gospel, we're reminded that the law was given by Moses. But grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Jesus, a little bit later, in fact, in the same gospel, told, told Nicodemus that his father didn't send him in the, into the world to condemn it. There is a time coming that Christ will be judge. But this time, as he was on the earth and in today's dispensation of grace, Christ is not here to condemn. He said, but that the world through him might be saved. He's graciously bringing salvation to those who are ashamed and guilty of death. Guilty of of, of sin and its wages being death. My dear friend, Jesus Christ today is not bringing condemnation. Be clear, 
you're guilty before him if you're abiding in sin. And as all of us did, and as those who abide in sin still do, the wages of that sin is, is, is death. We deserve death. We deserve death. But Jesus Christ today is not condemning and he's offering salvation in all the fullness of his grace, in his love. He's offering salvation to the guilty. If you think of a, of a judge in a, in, a, in a public courtroom, you know, that, that judge has a responsibility to exact the punishment that the law commands. The judge is responsible to follow the book of the law. And if the punishment for such a crime is is A, B, or C, and, and he determines A, B, or C has been committed, he exacts A, B, or C. But this offering of grace is from the one who is the law. Who is the law. Who intended that the law would help us to understand that we are indeed guilty. We have failed the law. We've transgressed. Everyone. Guilty as charged. And that there is nothing we can do of ourselves to unearn death. To escape the punishment that we deserve. We're helpless to do that. Every one of these three souls testified that it's through Jesus Christ and on his merit and because he shed his blood that we are justified on his account, not our own. (laughs) They were just like this woman, guilty of, of sin. And on the merit of Jesus Christ, every one of them testified that they repented. This this turning around, this change of of mind and of heart. No longer wanting to serve self and to serve sin, but to serve Christ, who is full of grace and truth. And they confessed their sin before him, and they repented. And came to faith in his shed blood for the cleansing of their sin. In that formula of how we Respond to his grace. This undeserved, this unmerited favor he shows and is showing right now to every one of us. That response is the only way. Jesus said, I am the way. There is no other way, there is no other name under heaven by which we can be saved. There is no other way to escape the penalty we deserve. But through Jesus Christ. It's, it, it's, it's incredible to me. That as it was just Jesus and this woman. Oh, there was still the people in the temple. The accusers were gone. But I, the, we get the sense the crowd was still there. But in that moment, just Jesus and this woman. And I'd like my dear friend for you to imagine. Just Jesus and you. And I'd like you to see him. In your mind, with the eyes with which he looked at this woman. 
who was guilty of sin, but so loved in that moment, so loved. 90% Neither do I condemn thee. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. The one who is now in Christ is freed of that condemnation, freed of the penalty, free. They will give evidence in in, in a few moments of the death of their old nature. They will identify with Jesus Christ in a very public way and his death and resurrection and give evidence of their the death of their old nature and their rebirth rising as a new creature without condemnation to serve the Lord Christ to no longer serve self to no longer serve sin to be in him and to walk in his spirit Jesus told the woman go and sin no more those who walk in the Spirit, those who walk in the, in the light of Christ. He said in the, in the next verse, we didn't read, he spake to them saying, I am the light of the world and he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. When we walk in the light of Christ, when we walk in his Spirit, we shall not fulfill the, light, the, the lust of the flesh. We will go and sin no more. Will we be perfect? No. But will we be in Christ? Will we be forgiven? Will we be without condemnation? Yes. Wow. I'm so thankful to the Lord that God will glorify his name through you today, Shane and you, Andrew, and you, Victoria. May all honor and glory be unto him. May your lives be a living testimony and witness of what he did for you who were undeserving, as guilty as this woman, as guilty as every one of us were for our sin before him. And may you walk faithfully before him. May he be everything to you. And for my dear loved ones who have not yet come to faith in Christ, I would ask you that in this day, as you give witness to the witness of these three souls, and as you ponder the grace of Jesus Christ that is full and is free, and that you understand that that grace is offered to you freely right now and today, and that right now there's the opportunity to be free of condemnation, free of of, of judgment, that it would lead you to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, and that you would put your faith in his shed blood for your sin, for which you are guilty. May the love of Jesus Christ, may his grace, that is not something we can even, we we struggle to even describe and, and, and put into terms that we can understand with our human minds, But we can understand, even by looking at this example, in its fullness, his grace is able to free every one of us. His truth is able to free every one of us. And Jesus Christ, who is full of grace and truth, 
is the only way, the truth, and the life. Amen.